thank you for listening to the 128th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me in this show part of your day. Being recorded live from Murphy Studios, Murphy Hall, John Carroll University, University Heights, Ohio. You can check me out on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Music, iHeartRadio, any major uh, streaming um, podcasting uh, app. Gonna have a great show for you all today. Gonna have Kenny Sims on. Um, does twenty uh, does a little bit of scouting for twenty four seven sports. Uh, really smart guy. Really interesting guy. Knows a lot about football, and he's a guest that we will have a couple more times on the show, especially. And he's also told me he's a fan of you know basketball, college basketball. We'll probably have him on for that too. But particularly football, college football, he knows what the hell he's talking about. And I believe I also said this when Brett Swader came on too. You know, uh, I don't just let anybody call my podcast. And there's many reasons. Just because, quite frankly, there's uh, not a lot of what I would say high quality guests. And you gotta tell that. And I don't want to take shots at anybody. I'm not naming names. But not every guest I've ever had on the history of Barbershop Sports Talk I've ever said I would invite back on. There can be many reasons, right? It could be. Uh, they're a little crazy, then they said some crazy stuff, but truthfully, Kenny is somebody I would invite on again, and somebody I would want to have on multiple times. He knows what the hell he's talking about, and he's a great guy. Really appreciate him for coming on the show. Now, before we get into my interview with Kenny, I want to talk about this, right? So there's the, there's this report uh, by Tommy Curran, NBC Sports. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots, right? The evil empire. Here's the gist of the report. Um, Bill Robert Kraft will not force his hand between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Remember last time? Tom Brady was going to get ousted for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Bill Belichick was going to do that. Robert Kraft intervened because Tom Brady asked him. That will not happen this year. That is the report. And it really got me thinking And I, I believe me and Kenny also talked about this towards the end of the podcast. And Kenny asked me, you know, and people ask me this all the time. Could you, could I see Tom Brady playing in another jersey besides the New England Patriots? Could I envision that? Because that's always the argument. And I'm finally at the point now where I'm starting to think he won't come back. <laughs> think about it. Sports is a very harsh reality. We love you till you're good. We hate you when you're not good. Doesn't matter your character or how nice you are. It's kind of like sometimes when there's this guy, he gets bored with the, with this new girl, and he wants to talk to a new girl. Sports is completely about physical attractiveness, right? The dude leaves his girlfriend, who's thirty years old, for the new eighteen-year-old, for the girl that just turned eighteen-year-old. That's what sports is. You're always trying to find somebody better, even if you're in a long-term relationship that has success. Oh yeah. She's cute still, but man, that 18-year-old is smoking up. Like, that's what you're going for in sports. That's why everybody gets so fascinated about the draft every year. People, can we find the next star quarterback, the next star wide receiver, the next star middle linebacker? Can we find this guy? Can we find this gem? It's why NFL draft picks are like, I mean, like golden coins. <coughs> right? Golden coins. He's like, we can't give up a draft pick. 
You'll trade nothing but draft picks for star players. And I've always been like, what the hell? You want somebody that's not established for somebody that's established. But that's the way the NFL works. Now, I'm going to give you a list of athletes that played somewhere else different from where they started. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player ever. Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player ever. Shaquille O'Neal, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, LeBron James, for all those out there in Cleveland. Kevin Durant, Brett Favre. I just think about 10, 12 guys. Hall of Famers, Pantheon players in their individual sports. You want to know what? They got drafted to a team and they didn't stay there. It was hard for me to envision LeBron James playing for how many teams? The Cavs, the Heat, the Cavs again, and now the Lakers? I never would have envisioned that. I could have never foreseen that. Very few athletes are like a Derek Jeter, a Kobe Bryant, stay their whole career with one team. And if you notice, in those two instances, those things probably kept those players longer than they were good. The last couple years of Kobe's career was awful. Derek Jeter wasn't that great at the end. But you want to know what? The fans loved them. There was a brand about them, an aura about them. And the team probably held on to them a little longer than they should have. Sports isn't made to last. Players on one team isn't made to last. Like I said, LeBron James. Cavs. Heat. Cavs. Lakers? You go from the Midwest to down south to the Midwest again to, hey, let's go west. I said two years ago on this podcast, why would LeBron James leave Cleveland? This is the second go around. He has everything he could ever want. He has full autonomy, full control of the organization. He's worshipped like a god here in Northeast Ohio. He can do no wrong. He already has three championships. Why would he leave? You know why LeBron James left Cleveland to go to L.A.? And L.A. was a mess at the time. He left Cleveland for more than basketball reasons. There was something else that he wanted, you know, in L.A. Movies. He can have dinners with Al Pacino. Marketing, branding, where his kids go to school, lifestyle, weather, a bunch of other stuff you and me pick out when we are established in this world and we get a job. Why would, wouldn't Tom Brady choose the same thing? Why wouldn't Tom Brady go to the LA Chargers? He's from the West Coast. He's not an East Coast Boston guy, <laughs> right? Make no mistake, even, even though Tom Brady's been there since about 2001, right? In New England, Boston area, that doesn't mean he's from there. That's not his home. I love Cleveland, but Buffalo will always be my home. You ask people where they're from, they don't, they don't say where they live the longest. Yes, my mom, where she's from, she's going to say Long Island, New York. Yes, my dad, where he's from, he's going to say Buffalo, New York. You ask me where I'm from, I'm probably going to say Buffalo, New York. If you're from Buffalo, specifically, I'll say Amherst. People have a pride where they're from. They have appreciation where they're from. They love where they're from. My dad loves living in Buffalo. He sees all his friends every day. My mom loves it when she comes up to Long Island. She can't wait to see all her old high school friends. 
Don't underestimate the power of going back to an area you're comfortable with, an area to where you call home, especially when the weather's much nicer on the West Coast. Giselle's a model. I'm pretty sure Giselle would love to be on the West Coast. He has kids. Pretty sure, you know, they, they would like playing on the beach instead of building snowmen. Right? You know, the taxes are uh, higher, but you want to know what? The taxes were higher for LeBron James. And guess what? Tom Brady's wife is a supermodel who makes more money than him. So I don't think that will be the issue. Something new, something different, a career change. Tom Brady's won six Super Bowl rings. He's been to nine Super Bowls. He's walking on air at this point. Why does he have to stay in New England? So he can win his seventh? The competitor Tom Brady is, he probably thinks he can make a lifestyle choice, have more weapons and offensive success with the Chargers, and be just fine. Don't think because he's an iconic career player for one team and get that in your head and be like, Brady, number 12, New England Patriots. That, that, that's how it will always be. You think Lakers fans 10 years ago envisioned when they were saying, 6'6", six, six, number 24, from Lower Marion High School, Kobe Bryant. And then you get a wow and cheers from the crowd. That was 10 years ago, 2010, when I started watching basketball. Take this a loop. I'm a Lakers fan, particularly a Kobe fan. You know what they say now at Laker games? 6 8. 250 pounds from St. Vincent, St. Mary's High School, LeBron James. That's what they say now. Huh. Back in 2010, Lakers fans were like, LeBron's not Kobe. LeBron's not Kobe. LeBron's not clutch. LeBron's not clutch. Clutch. That's all Lakers fans were saying. And now they're cheering for his name when he makes breakaway dunks. Things change quickly. Now I want to talk about this. Uh, the XFL happened, and I, I was thinking about this. How to make the XFL more interesting and what the XFL should really do. Here's my idea. In football, when you're we're in high school, right? When you're in high school, everybody thinks back to high school. And I want to say this because... All of you out there, everybody, you played high school football, you watch high school football Friday night, right? Most people didn't play college, even fewer played in the NFL or a professional in any sense. High school football, we all played it for the most part. And high school sports. High school sports, right? Male, female, everybody knows it's high school sports. 11th, 12th grade, you have varsity. 9th, 10th, you have JV. Uh, in some states, you'll have freshmen, right? Just for freshmen. And then in 7th and 8th grade, at least in New York, we had a modified team 7th and 8th grade, yet Pee Wee. You know, there's a, a level. But particularly, I want to stay with this, varsity and JV. Now, why are the older guys, the more mature guys, on varsity? Bigger, faster, stronger, more experience. Higher level. Then JV is kind of, you can be big and fast and strong, but you're not as big and fast and strong. Uh, they practice at the same time, JV and varsity usually. Varsity athletes, just bigger, stronger, faster, just better, more mature. Why doesn't the NFL use that? Have a minor league affiliate in the XFL. Have it be their JV team. There was a story, right? And I'll tell you this. When I was a freshman, we had this kid, and I'll say his name, Christian Cologne. Uh, super fast, super physical, super strong, freak athlete for a ninth grader. Like, freak athlete. And he got moved up to varsity, ninth grade year, first game. Didn't play a single game. You know what they did? 
because he because he mentally couldn't handle the game at that point. Varsity was moving so fast; he was a linebacker. Moved him back down. Was really good on Varsity, right? I mean, excuse me, really good on JV. And he had success. That's what the NFL could do. You have a draft pick. He's struggling a little bit. Move him down to JV, XFL. Get him those reps. Get him that experience. Because a lot of the times, you learn the best by doing. If they didn't have JV and everybody just played varsity, you think those JV players would be better off or worse off? They would be worse off. It gives you games. It gives you something competitive to do. It keeps you kind of in the fold. Just a little suggestion, just a little quick idea. Now, cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Kenny Sims on the show. Cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, uh, Kenny Sim. Uh, you do a little bit of scouting as like a part-time job for uh, yeah. 24/7 Sports. Uh, so I just don't. How are you doing today? How are you doing today, man? Doing good, man. Really happy to be here. I know we've talked about this for a couple of months now, getting on the pod and just breaking down some ball, breaking down some football with the 2019 season over and a little bit of draft. So happy to be here. And you're a football nut. That's the first thing you told me. You love football. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do. I mean, I don't know what to do now with football season being, being over on the weekends. Uh, you just watch a ton of ball Saturday with college and then Sunday. So, you know, maybe at the end we could break down or a little bit of a breakdown on the XFL starting. Are you, are you going to check that out? or? Uh, I think I'm going to watch a little, a little bit of XFL. A little, yeah. A little bit of XFL. It's a big first two weeks to try to get the people in. And if it doesn't, if, if people don't watch the first two weeks, I don't think they're going to tune in as much with March Madness and NBA going up. But, yeah. Good to be here, though. Okay, now, first thing I want to ask you, right? So we had the Super Bowl uh, last Sunday. What, what, what did you do for the Super Bowl? Just tell me, just paint this picture for everybody. How was your Super Bowl Sunday? The Super Bowl Sunday was great. So I uh, went to my parents' house, and they actually have like a, like a home theater. So okay. I watched that with some friends and family. So I came in, watched the game, had some squares, didn't win any squares. It's like just throwing money out the window. Um, and then, had some prep bets too. I won, um, but I really liked the game though. I, I I thought the game had, I thought it had everything. Um, and then the last six minutes of the game, I think that's as good as you get in sports with NFL coming down the stretch, and you had Patty Mahomes against that 49ers defense, um, and then you had with two minutes left the game in the balance with Jimmy G trying to come down and uh, win the game. So. I was really entertained by it. I thought it lived up to its billing, and I thought it was a good Super Bowl. Now, my biggest takeaway from the Super Bowl, and I said this a couple podcasts ago, my biggest takeaway is uh, when you see greatness, like uh, you really don't need like numbers or like get too deep, but it's just like this guy, it just happens to be so much better than everybody else, it doesn't matter. Like, remember when Cam Newton was in Auburn, you're like, okay, uh-huh. this guy is just different. Like, I always say the one for me when I was like, Tom, and I was in awe of Tom Brady 20 to 3 down against the Atlanta Falcons and does the great Super Bowl comeback in, uh, in the history of the Super Bowl. Uh, you see Patrick Mahomes 
21 0. They're, they're losing the game. He's getting beat up the whole game, not playing that great. great. Turns it on, 21 0, mm-hmm. just like that, Super Bowl MVP. Just talk about how great is Patrick Mahomes. So here's the thing. So there was, um, I think, let me say a few things. The first thing is um, Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner uh, played for you know 15 years in the NFL. I think he had four comebacks in the playoffs when he was down 10. Patty Mahomes did that the last three games of this year. <laughs> um, and then the second thing, too, is they went against the 49ers defense, number one pass D in the NFL, probably a top two D with the Patriots as well. And he's getting beat up the, the entire game. He throws two picks. He's actually not playing that well. He kind of uh, threw some passes to Tyreek Hill that were behind him and not. But he's down 20 to 10, and he rattles off 21 unanswered with about 10 minutes to go. And that's just something that you just don't see. And even as bad as he played for three and a half quarters, they still put up 31 points against the Niners. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I mean, it was completely remarkable that he did that. And he's the clear best quarterback in the game. And I think there's definitely a changing of the guard in the AFC. So, so Patty Mahomes, I think, is going to be, you know, as long as he stays healthy, really similar to what – the Patriots did to an extent of him and Andy Reid. If they have those two and the skill guys being, you know, every year first round by in the AFC title game, and then we'll take our chances from there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was really impressed with Patty Mahomes, especially down the stretch, like the toughness he displayed too, being hit 12 times as well. And it's like, you know, there's really, there's no weakness. He's accurate. He has a good arm. You know, he can throw it deep. He can throw it yeah. short. Can throw it in the middle of the field. Uh, he's he's mobile. Uh, he's mentally tough. Student of the game. Yeah, too. mentally tough. Doesn't really get rattled. Uh, the sky's really the limit. And my question now is, can they challenge the New England Patriots dynasty with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Can they? Can can we see this team reel off like three, four, five Super Bowls? So I think. I wouldn't say they do what the Patriots did over like 20 years and making the Super Bowl, I think, nine, ten times and winning in six. Uh, just take a look at this. They're 24, 25 years old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So take a look at this. So so Drew Brees won the Super Bowl in 2009, and he hasn't been back since with Sean Payton. And Aaron Rodgers came, and he won it uh, in 2010 against the Steelers. He hasn't made, made it back since. So it's really hard to get back. So... I mean, I'll even say this: Like, do you think, do you think they would have made the Super Bowl if the Patriots take care of business at home against the Dolphins in Week 17, and the Patriots get the two seed, New England, or, or um, and and then the Chiefs will slip down to the three seed? Do you think they'd be able to make the Super Bowl still this year? I don't know. I saw the Patriots lose to the Titans. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have said that the Chiefs would still have made it too. But um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I think it's a little bit early to say that he would challenge what the Patriots did. Um, just, 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 just because it's so hard to get back to the Super Bowl, and it's it's so hard to win. Like when you get in that Super Bowl, even the AFC, even like the AFC NFC title game, those are almost 50-50 games every year. Um, but I think definitely coming into next year, they're the favorite in the AFC, I think. And 
you know, I think the Patriots would be there still, but it's going to be hard to find a team that right now would challenge them, you know, for the foreseeable future. So how many Super Bowls do you think they can win then? If you're going to put a number on it. Yeah. How many Super Bowls do you think yeah. Kansas City can win? I'm going to say, and knowing with like, and, and even going back, like Dan Marino made it in his second year, he never made it back. Um, if I had to take a guess, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with three total. So I think be reasonable to say they, they would win two more. Um, maybe even over the next three years. So, so he's still on his rookie deal. So I don't know. So they're, they're talking about giving him an extension, which like he's, he's going to get that extension. He's going to be the highest paid player in the NFL, making $40 million guaranteed. That's going to hurt your chance to build around him as well. So, you know, they, they got to think about signing Chris Jones again. They got Tyreek Hill for big money. Um, they signed the Honey Badger in free agency. Just when, when you do that and when you give a quarterback $40 million, yes, you have to do it to keep the quarterback, obviously, but it does limit your chance to build around him. And I think that's something like the Dallas Cowboys are struggling with right now to keep that core together. So I think over like the next three years, I think there's a good chance that they would win another. And then, you know, I'm going to say three right now. Can we say Patrick Mahomes? If Patrick Mahomes wins three, you think we'll consider him the greatest quarterback of all time? I don't think so just because, I mean, Tom Brady did that for two decades and he's got six titles. And I think it's, I think it's going to be hard to supplant Tom Brady as the GOAT quarterback with six Super Bowls, nine times in the Super Bowl, um, and just the longevity of the greatness for years. But the way Patty Mahomes plays, I, I, it's going to be hard for him to get hurt and miss a miss significant time. I mean, knock on wood, obviously, but I think he's built to last for a while. Now I want to talk about the 49ers. Uh, yeah. They gave up the 21-0 lead, which is very shocking. And, you know, there's going to be starting to be more rumblings about Jimmy G. Is he the guy? Uh, Kyle Shanahan is second, you know. Time has been the Super Bowl, second kind of collapse where he didn't run the ball and maybe made some questionable play calls. So here's what I would say. Right, everybody assumes Kansas City's probably going to get back at some point. Can right. San Francisco get back? Yes, they could get back. Um they could get back because they have almost everyone coming back. So they got the two free agents, which they're going to resign is, I would expect them to resign Eric Armstead. Um, he's a free agent to a big deal. And then Jimmy Ward, their, their outstanding safety in the back end too. But they got a really young team with Nick Bosa, Armstead, Buckner still, Kittle on a rookie deal still. Um, and then that running game, with Kyle Shanahan always delivers. It, it's, I mean, just going back to his dad with Mike Shanahan, you could put anyone back there and they're gonna continue to run the ball well with that scheme, making it easy on the quarterback, which I think you do need to make, make it easy on the QB, but um, I definitely think they're built too. I think it's gonna be harder for them to, like relative to Kansas City, because their division is so hard because you have that program and that culture in Seattle with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. They've never had, well, they, they've had two losing seasons. Uh, that was before Russ though. You still have the Rams with McVay and Goff and that talented team as well. 
uh, they had a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover too. So I think it's going to be harder for them to get into the playoffs and win their division every year. Um, but I think I, I, I do have to say Jimmy G was kind of exposed a little bit down the stretch. Like those are legacy plays that you got to make, like Eli Manning, uh, Patty Mahomes, and even down twenty-four to twenty. Tyler Shanahan called a great play to get Emmanuel Sanders open, overthrew him. I mean, the margin's so hard to win in the NFL right there, just one or two plays. And then Jimmy G struggled as well. I think he went three of, three of 11 in the fourth quarter, too. Um, so I think it's going to be harder for them to get back. But I think they're going to be a, a, a team that would win double-digit games every year and have a, have a shot. Do you think we're overreacting a little bit about the Kyle Shanahan play calling? Because while I could say you could criticize it a lot, I always say it's like, what are your options? Like, you're not going to fire Kyle Shanahan. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. Like, if you can find somebody that's better than Kyle Shanahan, you can. But you know what? Bill Belichick's not on the market. Andy Reid's not on the market. Uh, Sean McVay, like, who are you going to get that's better than him? Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's built to last for a while in San Francisco. I've always been a fan of him. Um, so, there, so, so, so there was a couple of plays. So, I mean... You know, I think a lot of times with with play calling, with with uh, with the fans, you know, it's it's a result play. It's after the fact. Say, oh, this was good. They converted, or they didn't convert. That's a bad play play call. But if you remember in the in, in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter, um, he had Kittle over the middle, and he went somewhere else with the ball. I think Kittle was a little frustrated on that too. Um, so that's one play. Got them some more points over that twenty point threshold and then I mean yeah they probably should have ran the ball um, when they had the lead up four I think they had a second and five after Moser had five yards um, they threw it twice uh, I think the third one or I, I think the second one was batted down by Chris Jones um, so probably should have ran the ball there but then again too with two minutes left Kyle called a great play and had Sanders one of the fastest receivers in the NFL open one on one with the safety overthrew him. So um, they still put up uh, they still put up thirty points a game this year. So I don't I think there is some overreaction out there. Also being the Super Bowl too. But if there was a draft, I think Kyle Shanahan would go within the first seven to ten picks of head coaches. If you had every head coach on the market, start off and pick them. Go Bill Belichick down the line, but Kyle would be up there within the first eight, that top quarter. Is Jimmy G the guy? Like, is he the guy that can get San Francisco over the line? Because he's average. Like, they're like yeah. they're, he's average. I mean, he has mobility. I mean, he, he's okay. He's not – to me, he's a souped-up Alex Smith. I guess that's what I would say with all due respect. He's a, and Alex Smith was a very good quarterback for a long mm -hmm. time. He went, to, he went to the NFC Championship game with that really good San Francisco 49er thing with Harbaugh. But yeah, – He's probably never going to be in the upper echelon. So do you think eventually, you know, here's what Jim Arbaugh did, what Arbaugh did. Hey, you get Colin Kaepernick, we need a little bit more explosion to our offense. Uh, they go to Super Bowl, right? And they're one pass interference or whatever from winning the Super Bowl. Do you think they are going to eventually need to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo? So I think, I mean, so so a couple of things. So the first thing is kind of like when, when, uh, when I go about taking a look at the quarterbacks, and some NFL execs do is you kind of put them into buckets. So you have five buckets, and I think Jimmy G is in bucket three now. So bucket one is the top guys. You could put almost anyone around them. They're going to elevate their play. They're going to win the division every year, have their first round uh, buy and stuff. 
then you got the that that second tier of guys that are in a vacuum, elite, top ten guys every year. Um, you can't put complete trash around them like Tom Brady with his receivers this year, but they're good enough to win. Jimmy G's in tier three, I believe, which is he's an above average core quarterback. He had like a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. He's I think twenty one and five as a starter, 20, 21 and six now. But he needs guys around him to play well, to elevate the play, to go thirteen and three. So he needs that running game with Moser and Coleman. He needs Kittle as well. And he needs those receivers to elevate um, to help him move up. So um, And then if you just take a look at the NFC, like you could go ahead and rank them right now. Like where would you put Jimmy G if you had to rate the quarterbacks in the NFC to get back? So I mean, he's behind Rodgers. I would have taken him over Cam Newton. Cam Newton didn't have a great year. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, you got him. You're probably going to take Breeze, Wilson, Carson Wentz, Dak. I mean, we're down to six now with him. So... He's, he's gonna need. Than, is he better than Kirk? Cull- yeah, I don't, I don't know. So he's, yeah, but the point is, being at like a tier three quarterback, he's gonna need guys around him to elevate uh, his play, and he's getting paid a lot of money. I think he's getting paid. He has that one hundred and thirty-five million dollar contract. That's a, you know, that could cripple your team if the quarterback doesn't play up to that standard. So, um, I would say looking at San Francisco, though, if you had to point out a weak link. It'd probably be Jimmy G. Would you concur on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I also don't think they have super, super necessary. I don't think they have anybody elite in any of the skill positions, like anybody that should say is elite, but mm-hmm. everybody's really good, and Shanahan's obviously a great play caller, so yeah. it's all fine. Uh, but no, yeah, I would say Jimmy G's their weakness, Jimmy Garoppolo's their weakness. Yep. And they were talking about that in the Super Bowl, too. Like Chris Jones said it during the media day, they wanted to try as best as possible to stop the run and make Jimmy G beat them. And Everyone got their wish with two minutes left. It was Jimmy G, that San Francisco offense against Kansas City, and San, and, and, and KC had them where they wanted them. They had Jimmy G seeing if he could make plays down the stretch. Uh, he didn't do it. Um, and then he really wasn't asked to do much in the first two games of the playoffs. I think he threw the ball like 10 times against the Vikings, eight times against the Packers. So, um, you know, Maybe that tells you a little bit about what Kyle Shanahan thinks of him is really trying to protect him a lot. Let's say this, though. Yeah. The 49ers have Lamar Jackson. They win that Super Bowl, right? Even though, you know, I, Lamar has... I don't I don't think so, just because <laughs> I really like Patrick Mahomes. I really like Patrick Mahomes. I've always been a huge fan of Andy Reid. Um, and, and I was really happy for Andy Reid, too to win that Super Bowl, uh, getting the monkey off his back as if he, you know, any critic, that's the last thing they say about him is he didn't win a Super Bowl, but I don't think that defined his legacy at all. But now he's really done it all. Uh, he's won with McNabb, with Mike Vick, he revived him. Alex Smith, more of a ball-controlled offense. Then he innovated more of a college system with Mahomes. So I was really happy for him. And I just think that's a, that's a really hard duo to be in a one-game vacuum of a playoff is Andy Reid and Mahomes with those skilled guys. So I, I still would have taken KC there. 
Now, is Jimmy Garoppolo better than Tom Brady right now? Right now, I would, uh, I would say no. Okay. So I, mean, I mean, so like, you know, contracts aside, but I mean, we've seen Tom Brady do it just time and time again, just answer the bell in the fourth quarter of all those games. I think he has a 30 and 11 record in the playoffs. I think if they had, if 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 San Francisco had Tom Brady at the end of that game, you know, I think that might have been a different outcome. People forget Tom Brady outgunned Patrick Mahomes twice last year. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, what I do want to ask now is right. So, and let's talk because we have the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Let's put a bow on that. Uh, yeah, I got one question. I I I just wanted your take too. Is is um, at the end of the first half, um, San Francisco, it, it was 10-10, if you recall. Yeah. And San Francisco had three timeouts left, and Kansas City was punting. There was a minute 47 on the clock. San Francisco had three timeouts. They decided not to use those timeouts. They ended up getting the ball back with a minute left, and they just kind of just wanted to play out the clock. I really thought that that was a big mistake by Kyle Shanahan is calling a timeout there so you would have gotten the ball with a minute 45 and two timeouts, picked up an extra possession with a chance to score some points because you're not going to win with 10 points against Patrick Mahomes. So you needed as many possessions as possible and knowing that you would get the ball to start the second half too so, so you could have double dipped. So I thought that was a big mistake by Kyle Shanahan was kind of just going into the locker room happy with 10-10. I think you had to be very aggressive. I think you need to score, take every possession, be so precious with it, uh, because you knew that Mahomes was going to put up, you know, at least in the mid-20s, upper 20s. So I thought that was a big mistake by him, too. I, I would say, obviously, he knows his personnel, and obviously that shows what he thinks of Jimmy Garoppolo. Exactly. Because uh, uh, I know Kyle Shadden would rather go to locker room 10 than have Jimmy Garoppolo throw another. Because he'd already do a pick in the game if he throws another Very ill advised pick, too, so, in that game. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess Kyle Shadden's like, crap, you know. Or let's say, you know, we go three and out, then we're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. We've been stopping him all game. Let's yeah. say he gets hot, and that's the last thing you want for that offense to get some rhythm going into the half. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you want. So I think he's like, let's just get out of here. It's 10 10. We got the ball starting the third quarter. I, yeah. I think that's what his thinking was. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you could question that a lot. I just think that they should have been a little bit more aggressive, um, especially with that time. But I mean, it wasn't like they had the ball with 40 seconds left. They 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 could have had it with a minute 45. Um, even try to be, you know, they were running their outside zone so well. I mean, they they could have done jet sweeps and quick screens too to get guys on the perimeter. So I think that was one of the. I think that was something that should have been, or I, I think it is highly que- que- question is. Um, Shanahan not, you know, being as aggressive and kind of just sitting on that 10-10 lead. Now, the team that beat the, uh, the Chiefs last year, the Patriots, Yeah. Uh, a lot's made about them. Brady versus Belichick. Is Tom Brady going to leave? Is Tom Brady going to stay? What do you think is going to happen? So, it's really, it's really in Tom Brady's hands. So, he had that one year. Uh, he, he, he signed for one year over the summer. They agreed not to do a franchise tag, so he's free to do whatever he wants. Uh, he wants to play to when he's 45. I think he's 43 right now, so he only has about one or two years left. Um, towards the end of the year, he he did he did struggle with his ball placement, kind of the zip on the ball. 
I think ultimately what's going to happen is I think he's going to stay in New England. I think they're going to work something out. I have a really hard time seeing Tom Brady not in a Patriots uniform. And if he wanted to win, so so his goal, I think, is to win one more Super Bowl and get back. So if that's your goal, I think the best team and infrastructure to do that is still with the greatest coach, is still with the Patriots, um, and and in free agency in the draft, load up on weapons because that's his concern is not having enough weapons. Kind of missed the boat on Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown. They tried. Um, you're never going to fully replace Gronk, but they never really had a tight end that was a threat. So kind of loading up on weapons. I know he wants thirty million dollars. I think that was kind of a. I think that was kind of a play by New England to kind of say like we're going to do everything we can, but you know he's taken a discount for years. But ultimately, I think he's going to stay in New England. What tier is Tom Brady right now? Tom Brady's tier two, I believe. I believe. Okay, uh, tier two. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, he could definitely elevate guys. So he's top ten. You think he's top ten quarterbacks, though? Yeah, I would still say so. Um, he could still. I, I mean, you know, despite like all of the like, kind of like the black cloud over them, and they had. I think they were trotting out at the end of the year. The rookie who I do like, but he's a rookie. And the he was killer. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on um, IR. Uh, lacrosse, the tight end, Dorsett. That one was hobbled. Yeah. I mean, he still did the usual. I still He still got them to 12 wins. And if they just take care of business against Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins, it would have been the two seed. Um, so I think he's tier two. And, and, and I think one of the things as well is you have to be cognizant of he only has one or two years left, so you got to go all in on this. Um, if he does decide to leave, where do you think a good option is for him? Assuming like he wants to go and win a Super Bowl, so I think the Vegas Raiders are a little intriguing. Really? I think they're a little intriguing. Tom Brady in Vegas. Lord have mercy. With Gruden, um, Josh Jacobs. I like their tight end Waller. Um, but if, if if he does, if if that is his goal, is to you know, have success with the team and to go to the Super Bowl one more time and win one. I think the Patriots are still the best option for him. I think he'll end up staying with New England. I think all the Patriots' internal drama is overrated. Do you think that's being like blown out of a luster? Like it's Brady versus Belcher, they don't like each other. Like the, this can't go on anymore. Do you think that's like taken out of proportion? I do think it's taken out of proportion. Um, so, so I mean. Over like a 20-year relationship, a 20-year marriage, there's always going to be conflict. I mean, you're never going to agree with your spouse, agree with you know someone that you're in this relationship with, even a working relationship for 20 years. Uh, that's a long time. But they've always made it work. They've made it work with those three of Belichick, Brady, and Kraft. Um, I think they tolerate each other. I think there's a respect between each other that ultimately keeps them uh, together and try to keep any type of strife in in house, even though a few years ago it got out with that ESPN piece. Yeah, the, Sam, Seth Wickersham. Yeah, the Wickersham piece. Wickersham. Yeah, what was your thoughts on that when that came out? What was your thoughts? Uh, I thought it was. I mean, it was riveting journalism. It was you know interesting to read about that and how Belichick kind of set the team up with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
to take over. Uh, ultimately, they decided to stick with Tom Brady. Um, but that's another thing too is if they do leave, if if Brady does leave, um, they're gonna have to figure out what to do at the quarterback position. I mean, they got the rookie Stidham from Auburn. Um, I think they're gonna exercise the trade market as well, but. Um, I think it was a little bit out of proportion. Um, my first reaction when I heard about that was, everybody's family has issues, right? You know, exactly. You know, that. Like yeah. everybody's always talks about the Browns, the Bills. Everybody's like, this team has issues. This team has a problem. It's like the Patriots are just like everybody else. Yeah. Right. Like they're just like everybody else. Like, <laughs> like that was my biggest takeaway. You know, like Seahawks, PEDs, You know, Marshall. Like every team has issues, right? Like every every team has issues. That was. That that was my biggest takeaway, but also my other takeaway was <laughs> it, it, it finally came down a little bit more to the football, which I think was very interesting, and I think it was really funny because Tom Brady made a power play on Bill Belichick. Yes. Which I, I still can't imagine Bill Belichick is okay with that. Uh, I, I think Bill Belichick like, it's business and business, and Tom Brady's like, well, you're right, it is business is business. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just think that was an interesting, like, touche. It's like when dad tells you no, then you go to mom. The mom's like, yeah, you can. And you're like, yeah. Ah. And now the ball's in Brady's court because he could, you know, being a free agent now, he can't be franchised. He could do whatever he wants now. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, that's definitely a very interesting um, with all the QBs, all the veteran QBs available this year uh, in free agency in a few months. Um, Brady's definitely going to be one to kind of see what happens there in New England. Now we're going to take a quick break and then yeah. come next after we're going to talk first. We're going to talk a little bit about some scouting. Okay. Coming up next after some the break. Draft. Yes, some draft talk. Yeah. Coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk and we still have Kenny Sem with us. Uh, now, you, like you said, you do a little bit of scouting for uh, 24-7 sports. Now, now, just tell me, how did you get into that? Yeah, so I've kind of just, you know, always been interested in, uh, in NFL drafting and ranking players from, like, my fancy football days, which I still play. And so, um, kind of played it, too, a little bit at a lower level. So, um, I do like watching football, watching the tape and kind of trying trying to see, it's really like a challenge, it's almost like a bet, is trying to project, you know, what traits translate to the next level, who do you think is going to, you know, have NFL success, because the college game, the college game is moving more towards the pros with, you know, tackles and two-point stances, multiple wide receivers, kind of similar sorts of defenses, and kind of almost like that kind of like at its ideal state, almost like a like a positionless game on the outside with, you know, whether you have um, a wide receiver in the slot, a, a tight end in the slot for a mismatch, the running backs, all that. Um, it's, it's moving more towards the college game as well, so kind of trying to see who's going to be good, who's not, and having that sort of um, almost like, I mean, it is like a bet, it is like a challenge, so... I do like that and kind of stacking them up and I make a board. Uh, I'll send you that board on the first day of the draft at um, the end of April and kind of have my big board on. You have a big board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Guys I like, guys I okay. don't like, so I'll send you that. Um, okay. No, I'm trying to actually do a little bit of board myself. Yeah. 
tonight. Yeah. I'm gonna try to watch a little bit of uh, college football. Some yeah. So here's stuff. the thing. So so it, it's kind of like starting right now is like phase one. It's just trying to learn. <clears throat> like we got the guys at the top, but kind of trying to go through and learn. You know all the players and read up on reports and kind of do some film work as well. Um, the combine's in two weeks. And so they announced today like the 337 participants in that. So taking a look at that. And then as we go to March, it's more like the pro day circuit, going back at any outliers, good or bad at the combine and going back to the tape and kind of looking at it with a finer tooth comb on, on the players. And then April, you know, those last two or three weeks, it's all NFL draft, that's a huge thing too. and. It's gotten to be huge. It's a, I mean, it's an event. It's a huge thing. It's almost like my third favorite sport is NFL offseason slash draft. I mean, and you know, it gets huge ratings every year. They 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 beat baseball, the Masters, the NBA playoffs. So it's it's a it's a big thing, and it's a big thing with hope too. And I think this is so. We just talked about the Chiefs and the 49ers. Now this is kind of like the little guy Super Bowl every yeah. year. The teams that suck. Um, and going through that and looking at um, needs and players and trying to match up that and you know do you go best available do you go by need at a position ideally what you want is to have a position of need and a player suit that and match them up together so that whole thing um, is very important and you take a look at the teams every year you take a look at for example the 49ers in Kansas City their success in the draft um, at the end of the day all franchises have to build their teams through the draft to have sustained success in the NFL. Now, well, let's start with this. Let's start with this. Let's talk about the quarterbacks first. Yeah. Okay, so you got a guy like Joe, Joe Burrows, two attack below it. Now, now, here's my concerns with them. Tell me if I'm wrong. My biggest concern with Joe Burrow, one-year wonder, right? Yeah. Back of all his career in college. Um, mediocre quarterback his junior year at LSU. Pops his senior year, right? Uh, they bring in, uh, was it Joe Lee, the, the offensive coordinator? They bring in Joe Brady. Brady, Joe Brady, sorry, Joe Brady. Yeah, he Joe started Brady. off as Sean Payton's gopher. <laughs> yeah, okay. So in the, New Orleans, the, and then he became a spread guru in college. They, they, they bring him in, but uh, people forget that. Like, that LSU team, you can make it argument that LSU team is the greatest college football team for a single season ever. Right. They got uh, Chase, uh, Jefferson on the outside. You got Randy Moss, the son of tight end. They got the running back. Like, mm-hmm. all, their offensive line won the award for the best college football offensive line. Like, you know, everybody's on an open, everybody's breaking, like, you know, they're, they're dominating everybody. Uh, how much should we take that into account and be like, okay, he's going to get drafted by Cincinnati. He's not going to have the best team. Yeah. Uh, receivers aren't always going to be open. Uh, he's not always going to have a clean pocket. How do we look at him then? So, um, right now, and I think it's good, and I don't see it changing much, as being the QB1 of the draft. Uh, being the first pick, but as you talk about kind of how he's going to do in the NFL, there's a there's a couple things I like about him. And so yes, he played with uh, astonishing talent, and and I like looking at college recruiting. LSU had almost every guy on that team <laughs> declare for the draft. They had so much talent, and so yes, he was you know throwing the guys wide open, and they finally brought their offense up until 2019. But there's, there's a few things I like about Joe Burrow uh, on those questions. One is he was exceptional against the Blitz. I think he was 75%, had an outstanding touchdown to interception ratio against the Blitz. Um, wasn't really flustered on that aspect. And then really his accuracy, his pinpoint accuracy, 
Um, and you take a look at teams with similar talent, Georgia and Clemson, and he ripped them up. Um, the balls that he was throwing in the national title game. Alabama as well. Yeah, playing. Alabama as well. I mean, just just the deep ball and just the touch. I mean, you could just drop it in the bucket, drop it in the turkey hole. Um, those are some things you like. You like the plus mobility of him being able to escape pressure, buy some time, run the ball for a first down too. Um, and so I think with that, I think he's a really, a really good prospect. Um, his, his quarterback rating, so they do a rating that's different from the NFL, from the standard oh, 153.3, I think is the max. Um, he was up there, he had a better quarterback rating for the college standards, over 200, than uh, Baker Mayfield his senior year. Kyler Murray both won the Heisman, and Cam Newton too, when Cam won the Heisman in that single season. So with all those things, I, I, I really like um, I really like what he could bring to the next level. Doesn't have the elite arm though, but I think he could do it more with winning with his mind, being a cerebral quarterback as well. His dad was a defensive coordinator at OU for many years, being the son of a coach. So I think Cincinnati could feel really good about that pick. Would I be wrong if I said he's a QB3, that's his highest ceiling? In that tier structure I talked yeah, he's about? he's Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he could get up to I think he could get up to tier two. Like for example, like yeah. and, I'll, and another guy we're gonna talk about next, Tua. I think Tua can be tier one, possibly. Right. Like if to me, Tua pops, Tua pops. Yeah. And I, and I have my own concerns about Tua too. But do you think that would you say that Tua has more upside? No, I wouldn't. Only because I have a lot of concerns with his injuries, and you know these just aren't just little injuries. I mean, these are some gruesome injuries he's had. He's had uh, before the playoff game. It was two years ago, so 2018. Was it his ankle? He had surgery on his ankle. He, over the course of time in Alabama, uh, I can't remember at the top of my head, but he had surgery on the other ankle. So he had both uh, of those. And he dislocated his hip and he had a hip surgery this year. That is a significant injury. That's a gruesome injury to have that hip, hip pop. Um, that kind of ended Bo Jackson's career too. But with all those injuries, I would have you know, concerns, and every team's going to have a different take on his medical, but I would have a lot of concerns with his injuries. Um, still a QB1, you know, still going to probably go, you know, I don't see him getting past five to Miami. I think a team could try to trade up and jump the Dolphins to take him. Um, but even with his injury, too, it, I mean, he's more of a twitch thrower, and losing that with a hip, um, you know, if you every year get hurt in college and you're playing with bigger, stronger, faster guys, I have a hard time seeing how you're just going to be a clean injury history in the NFL. So I would have some concerns with his with his uh, injury and try to really build the offensive line and work to get the ball out quickly to avoid those hits. What would your take be on a guy like Jalen Hurts? So Jalen Hurts is one of the guys that really played well at the senior ball. Uh, I'm a Jalen Hurts fan, actually. I like his game. Running the ball was good. Throwing the ball with Lincoln Riley, he really played well this year too. Um, I think he's more of a, I think he's more of a day two pick. I think as we go down the third round, I think he's a guy that you draft and you have expectations to start, but maybe more like year two and year three as you build the team around him. He's definitely going to need um, a really good infrastructure in place. Um, 
kind of the team that I just have just at the top of my head that would be good is in like the third round, you know, we get down to round pick 100 if he's still there. Um, if you put him there and let him sit for one or two years with the New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton, um, with like Kamar and Michael Thomas, that could be a place that he could have success. But he's going to need to have good players around him. He's going to need to have a coaching staff that really wants to build things around him and do that. One thing that really helped out Lamar Jackson is they build their entire offense, their entire scheme, offensive line, defense, up, O-line, receiver, tight end around him. Um, they're going to need to do that with Jalen Hurts, but, you know, I, he does have some upside as a quarterback on day two. Now, here's what I want to say. Uh, could I not say he reminds you of Dak Prescott? But I think you could say that, too. I mean, I think... You know, running the ball, he, he, he runs the ball better than Dak did in college. They're both built the same. Um, they both won a lot of games. Jalen Hurts, I mean, you take a look at his resume, being an SEC freshman of the year, SEC player of the year, going to the national title with Alabama. His record, I don't know at the top of my head, but it's he's got to be over 80% winning percentage, too. And, Making the playoffs multiple times, all that. I mean, you could see similarities, the that winner mindset that Dak Prescott had, that Jalen Hurts had. And here's what I'm thinking right now, and you, you just talked about Sean Payton too, and yeah. I don't know if that would work necessarily because I already have taste in hell, right? Taste yeah. in hell's already their superhero, right? But uh, how about he goes to New England, right? You know, kind of similar guy, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, both kind of sitting ducks in the pocket at this point. You know, Sean Payton brings in a guy like a taste in hell to spice up the offense. Mm-hmm. You still have Josh McDaniels, who's renowned as a top five offensive mind around there in the NFL, and you can have some interesting packages with him in New England. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's something, too, that coming in, I think New England, if, if you know, really regardless if Tom Brady stays or not, um, I don't really like Stidham a lot either. So they're going to need to groom a quarterback for, you know, 2021, 2022. They tried that with Jimmy G. I think it could have worked there. But, you know, a guy like a Jalen Hurts with a plus arm, really mobile, um, has success in college. Tough, tough. Yeah, yeah. All those things. Um, that would be a good fit as well. I just had just the Saints at the top of my head because of the offensive yeah. coordinator, uh, the weapons around them. Um, how even there was like that quick report, I don't know how much weight it had, that they were <laughs> fine if they made Taysom Hill a franchise quarterback if Drew Brees retired, but things like that. Yeah. Um, similar structure for Jalen Hurts if he gets drafted by the Patriots. But. And my thing about Jalen Hurts, to me, I have a hard, for me, I have a hard time imagining like five years from now, Jalen Hurts is in the league. And here's my thing, why? Because it's kind of like the Tebow thing. Like you might not be saying he's a quarterback, but he's a football player. Yeah. There is some, you cannot tell me, there's a 50 man roster, all across like 30 teams, and Jalen Hurts isn't good enough to make one of them. You can probably use him for running packages, right? The same stuff you have Taysom Hill doing, blocking. He's a big, strong, thick guy. Uh, just leadership. Being a, a, just a quality guy in the locker room, a guy that's going to work, a guy that's going to be the first one there. Like, there is a place in the NFL for Jalen Hurts. I think it's just a matter of – and I think even a place to play on the field, even if it might not be full-time quarterback. Would you say that? Yes, I will. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like the toughness a lot. He's actually a power lifter in high school. I think he squats 600 pounds, big body, all those things. Yeah, I mean – you know, he's a day two quarterback as you move down, like initially, like you got Tua and Joe Burrow and uh, Herbert and Jordan Love as you move down to day two. I think I think that's where Jalen Hurts gets picked. I think he's gonna be more of a, you know, a lower round, second round, third round guy, but um, 
there's definitely a place for him in the league. I think um, something that I would follow. I'm a fan of his. So I'm saying if he's there in the third, fourth round, I'm saying yeah, you have a creative offensive coordinator, you have a good culture, take him because you might not be able to start right away, but. You cannot tell me you cannot use Jalen Hurts. Exactly. He cannot help your team win next year. Exactly. And then in the third round as well, like, from from a contract standpoint, he'd be making virtually no money. So you could build things around him. And that's what the Cowboys do with Dak. You know, they build – I mean, they they were able to give Zeke Elliott $50 million guaranteed and build, you know, a really good roster with Witten and Amari Cooper and, uh, and those linebackers and Lawrence and uh, – Jalen Smith and all those things too. So that would be, uh, you know, you would have success there with just having virtually no money at the quarterback spot to build around him too. Now, I, I want to throw this theory by you. It, it, here's my theory. It's possibly this. Tell me if I'm crazy. Uh, Tua to New England. Now, 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 here's what I'm thinking. Uh, who was Tua's coach? Nick Saban. Yeah. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have a connection to Cleveland. They, the, right, we call the Patriots, like the Alabama, basically the greatest two coaches, college football, uh, both know each other, they're both friends. They both talk a lot, right? Information gathering business. Bill's like, okay, how's this guy in the room? Is he a worker? How's he this? You, you know, uh, the third pick. Who has the third pick? The Lions. Yeah. Now, the Lions have a We already know Joe Burris is going one. Chase Young's probably going two, right? Right. Build the defensive line with the Redskins. Now, who's the head coach yeah. in Detroit? You got Matt Patricia. Patricia, yes. And you got the GM, Bob Quinn. Yes. Used to work for the Patriots. Yes. So you have that. I'm um, particularly working on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, they, they know Belichick. Yeah. The Lions don't need a quarterback. They already have Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And I assume that they wouldn't be in the two-a market. Uh, what has Bill Belichick historically done? I assume something his protege like my, uh, Patricia would be interested in doing. Trading down for more picks. Right. What if the Patriots traded up to three? Yeah. Traded down with his buddy, right? To get to a tag below. Well, that would be a. I mean, I don't even. I don't even know the compensation of the draft. That I mean, they would need to give a haul for Tua to move up from like. So they're like. I think they're twenty third right now in the uh, pick order, but to jump from twenty three to pick three, yeah, I mean, it would be a huge haul. Uh, multiple first rounders, multiple first rounders, and several picks. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a hard time seeing that just because of just, I mean, just from a pick standpoint, just what do you think would have to be the compensation to move up to that? I mean, it would be a haul to do that. You don't think Bill Belichick could finesse his former protege? I think, I mean, it's... I mean, obviously you're going to yeah. have to give up your, your yeah. one this year, your one next year, uh, and then that's just the starting point. There's going to be more, exactly. more, more to give there. Probably a two somewhere in there, maybe a couple threes, four. Like I, I, I think they have the confidence. Okay. The I think it could happen. Do you think that? Do you think that would be the craziest thing in the world? I think it'd be very crazy. But I think if Tua would go to the Patriots, though, it would be, you know, you know, that would be a a, a very. It would be a Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers move. Tom Brady to Tua. Um, and, and, and that's another thing, too, is looking at the draft is the draft really starts at pick three, and the Lions have a lot of options. That yeah, they that's can what do. They have a lot of options. And, you know, personally, you know, just seeing how, you know, I think they've made the playoffs twice with Matt Stafford, it would be, you know, they should tickle the idea of seeing about 
taking a quarterback, I think. You know, not at pick three, but, you know, moving down, gaining picks, and even, you know, possibly even taking a quarterback high to be the future and then looking to move Stafford um, to somebody that would want him. But the Lions have a lot of options at pick three, though. I thought, I thought that was that, that's my yeah. theory. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, it's a logical theory. Um, yeah, I think I, I I think it's going to be interesting to see because he's always been linked to the Dolphins at pick five. They wanted to tank for him at pick one. Uh, I think there's a shot he's there at pick five, but I think there's a shot that you take a look at the Chargers at pick six, uh, the Panthers at pick seven, a wild card team that could try to jump the Dolphins to get Tua if they really want that quarterback. They're desperate for a quarterback. Even a team like the Colts, even two at 13 to try and move up. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, a team could jump the Dolphins for Tua. Also knowing that the Redskins, uh, the Giants, and the Lions, they don't need to draft a quarterback at pick two, three, or four. So, you know, they could acquire picks, move down the draft for a QB team as well. Now I want to talk about another quarterback, Jake Fromm. Yeah. And he's a guy like, I kind of said to Jalen Hurts, just tough. Like, right. Just a veteran, like, might not be a star, but I, I think can be a back. Like, just he seems like he's a good locker room guy. Um, like, he seems really controlled, knows what he's doing. Not the – he doesn't have necessarily the traits that pop out, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but, but, I, but I like him. What, what do you think Jake Fromm's chances are? Yeah, I think Jake Fromm's probably going to be, you know, I think – I'm thinking he's going to be in that day two as well, probably more of a, a third-round pick. The thing about Jake Fromm is he really does not have a strong arm. It is going to be hard for him if he goes to a cold-weather team to whip the ball through the wind. Um, really, he, he had a really good year as a freshman, five-star guy, took the team to the national championship, and then he really regressed over the last three years. And even this year, you know, he was struggling to break 50% over 150 yards against teams like Kentucky even, uh, like South Carolina too. And, you know, I think he got exposed a little bit against LSU in the SEC title game. I think Jake Fromm does have a limited ceiling. I think he's probably best suited to be a backup quarterback, which you could have success in the NFL as a backup quarterback. You can make a lot of money to stay in the league a long time. But I would see him more as a backup quarterback a guy that could come in and uh, and you know be a 500 guy on an injury, come in as a backup for four or five games, get a team through a stretch, um, has some starter upside a little bit. But I would see him ideally as more of a backup quarterback. I think he should have stayed in college for another year. Yeah, 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 I do. Um, just to kind of just refine his game. Um, Especially with over, especially just kind of just how his game has really declined from freshman year down to the junior year. I think he could have used another year in school. And there's been, um, you know, there's been a lot of good success stories. A, a really good correlation is QB starts translating to uh, the next level. Um, kind of like the threshold is 40 starts. I think he's, uh, I think he's over that threshold too. But you know, having another year. Like Baker Mayfield stayed in school. He had, I think, 48 starts in college. Just getting that more and more starts and experience, I think it could have helped Jake from a lot. Now a guy that everybody's going to be talking about next year, yeah, Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah. Is Trevor Lawrence truly that generational prospect? Well, so so I think you know that's going to be really interesting. I think I think he is. Um, I think he is along with Justin Fields too of Ohio State. Is those two guys were always matched up. You know they were. I think within a half Georgia an hour. State football, Georgia State football. Yeah, half an hour apart of Georgia. They had a lot of success in high school. They both went to Trent Dilfer's Elite Eleven. Uh, Justin Fields actually won that over Tre- Tre- Trevor Lawrence, and then they both had success in um, college. So Lawrence, obviously, you take a look at the record. You just take a look at just how seamless the transition was as a freshman from Kyle uh, from Kelly Bryant to Tre- Trevor Lawrence winning the national title game having a lot of success this year as well. Um, it's it's really hard to poke holes in this game and see kind of, you know, what he struggles at. It's really hard to do that. I think, you know, a forward-thinking organization um, should be considering like a two-year tank to try to get Trevor Lawrence acquiring a lot of draft picks. Um, I think a team that could do that is possibly the Carolina Panthers. They move on from Cam Newton. They got that seventh pick. Try to build the team in that first year with Matt Rule, who had a lot of success in college at building a team from the ashes, building a program over three or four years. He got a seven-year con- a contract. So I think that would be a match. Um, but, yeah, I would expect teams to be you know, lining up to try to get that first pick in 2021 for him. And I think Justin Fields is up there, too. I think Justin Fields is a guy, um, I think, early favorite to be one and two in the draft. And I think a lot of teams would want those guys. Um, if you take a look at the quarterbacks in this draft and next draft, you know, you could make a case that Justin Fields and um, Trevor Lawrence are the first two with Burrow, Herbert, Tua. You know, some people might say that. Now, here would be my question to you, right? Uh Trevor Lawrence, what about if I would say this, devil's advocate? He plays in the ACC. Yeah. Not a great conference, right? I mean, at least, right, Joe Burrow tore up the SEC uh, to attack of Aloha. Tore up the ACC. Uh, tore, tore up the SEC. Right. Uh, he's, but, you know, the ACC is, it is what it is. It's not a very good conference. <laughs> you know. It's, it's the worst Power 5 conference this year. Yeah. It, it was. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, a lot of the. I mean, maybe that's the Pac-12. Yeah, a lot of the. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the powers that have traditionally been good have been down right now in the ACC. Yeah. And when he had his first chance to play against stiff competition, Ohio State, you know, you're, you're a Buckeyes guy, yeah. right? You probably watched that game. That game was ugly until, you know, it's the hit. That, that wasn't really hit, the ejection. That kind of sparked the team. He has the long run, which was fabulous on his part. But really, I mean, they, they were going to get it handed to him. So... And, and LSU was what it was. He could not keep up with Joe Burrow. Yeah. So would you have those type of concerns? I wouldn't. I mean, he, he really tore apart Alabama in the title game in 2018. Um, he really stepped up in the fourth quarter when he needed to against Ohio State. And I think that kind of kind of like that winner's mentality um, with his, like, his, like, I, I don't know, it's like a, 25-1 record in the in, in, in college that he has. Uh, you take a look at what he did in that two-minute drill at the end of the game against Ohio State. And I think the he, um, I think that was more of a talent mismatch with Clemson and LSU. I just think LSU was that much better than Clemson. Um, I don't know if there was 
a team that was going to beat LSU this year. Um, they were so good, especially e- e- even on the back end. You take a look at the draft. There, there's a lot of guys that could be taken pretty high. Dumped it, yeah. Dumped yeah. It. So I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have too much concerns there. Um, but we'll see what he does next year. They're going to make the playoff again. They'll play a good team in the semifinal, maybe in the national championship if they get there again. Um, so we'll see how he does in those two games. But I think you take a look at the traits. I think you take a look at the size, the running. Mobility, the ball placement, the ball uh, speed, and his arm strength. I think if you take a look at those traits, all those really translate well to the next level. I would have very little concern for Trevor Lawrence. You know, also this is also very interesting. Uh, you know, the closest team to beating LSU really was all year. Who was that? Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a forty-six, forty-one game. And you have to really think about it. Yeah. Two was hurt that game. Yeah. Two was hurt. In an alternate universe, if two is 100% healthy, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's it just funny to think about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was a great game. Um, those two teams are just, I think they were, uh, I mean, assuming Tua was healthy. So Tua was not healthy, so they lost to uh, Auburn. Um, but if Tua was healthy, those two teams, you know, offensively and defensively are head and shoulders above other teams in the SEC. So um, that game was definitely a game where I thought the winner was going to go to the playoff and beat Georgia. Um, and then the loser was probably going to be on the outside looking in because they would have had one loss, wouldn't have won their division even in the SEC. It would have been hard for them to get in the playoffs. So that was a huge game. Now, how do you like Justin Fields? Yeah, so I like Justin Fields a lot. Justin Fields is a guy that came in, um, kind of didn't um, – didn't, play a lot as a freshman at Georgia, and I think that was on the coaching staff. I think Georgia would have loved to have Justin Fields right now over Jake Fromm. He transferred to Ohio State, and he was he was better than advertised. I did not think he was going to be this good. I thought he'd be really good, but he was almost Cam Nugent-like. He had 50 touchdowns this year, 40 passing touchdowns, one interception. Uh, big, strong kid. I didn't know how big the kid was. The kid's about 230 pounds, can run the ball too. Um, really? I thought it was like two, 215, 220. Oh, no, no, no. no. He's big body. He's big body. He's 230 pounds. Um, so with his game, you know, he did get a little banged up with the knee at the end of the year. But in that first year as a starter, he got 14 starts. Um, really good path that he's on. He's going to get another probably 14 starts again next year. And I think he's going to be a prospect. You know, he's got the full game. He's got the full game. Uh, I know the quarterback coach, a quarterback guru who does a lot of the, well, the college guys he trains, Quincy Avery, thought he was in the 1% of quarterbacks that he's seen in Justin Fields. So um, him and Trevor Lawrence are going to be 1-2 and two in the preseason Heisman. I expect Ohio State and Clemson to be 1-2 and two in the preseason poll. I don't think either are going to have too much difficulty getting back to the playoff next year. Um, obviously one loss could throw you out, but... I think those are two prospects that NFL teams are really going to be lining up for, especially if you don't have success those first 10 games. You start thinking about the draft. A lot of those teams down at the bottom, I think, are be trying to line up on that 1-2 line. How does Trevor Lawrence compare to Andrew Luck? So, so they're similar. Um, I think both their arms are close to the same. Um, Trevor Lawrence is playing more in the modern-day college offense, more of the modern-day NFL with a lot of those spread concepts, um, QB even running the ball. 
even though Andrew Luck was a good ball. It was more traditional, well more too. traditional tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, so he played – yeah, so so his game and, – and, and the Colts did a good job, too, of, you know, having Fleener and Dwayne Allen at tight end, too. Um, I think, you know, I would have to say that Trevor Lawrence should be probably the best guy to come out since Andrew Luck. I think they're really similar, though. Um, I still kind of lean Andrew Luck just because he had virtually he, – he had no flaws at all, and he took a Stanford team that was terrible with little talent, getting them to Orange Bowls every year, competing with Oregon at the top. And that's when I do my rankings. I always grade quarterbacks on a scale of one to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, a 9.9, highest grade I've ever given a guy at quarterback. So when you take a look at quarterbacks, I grade them on a scale of one to Andrew Luck. Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I oh, really yes. appreciate it. This is good. Got to yeah. have you on again, man. Oh, we'll do it again, yeah. Okay. Thank you. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. Uh, appreciate it. And like I said, great guest, really smart, insightful guy uh, about football. Next uh, podcast on Wednesday for Barbershop Sports, we're going to have another special Kobe podcast. Uh, probably going to do that another week too next week. Uh, and then get definitely for sure with Jason, I'm going to get an NBA history segment for Kobe. So this is going to be like a month thing. Bear with me. like, And I think it's interesting too. Like A lot, a lot of people liked it. But I think it's really interesting. I think it's really important to really talk about, you know, the stories, you know, kind of commemorate the impact that Kobe's had on everybody. Uh, So I think that's important. Stay tuned for that on Wednesday. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode, the 128th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. I gotta try hard.